Hey, welcome to Beyond the Norm. I am Norm Lavalette, where we talk about all things comedy and improv and business and entrepreneurship and all that kind of good stuff. A lot of times we have guests uh, on the show and, and they're very insightful and they lead to some great conversations and discussions. Uh, in this episode, we're going to turn the tables a little bit. I had a really nice conversation with, uh, I was on the show, a uh, radio show, Louis B. Free with Louis B. Free. And uh, I've been on his show now a, a few times. I do a fair amount of you know, interviews and stuff like that. And I, and I have to say, Louie is one of the only shows that, that I, I really look forward to, to going on and to having conversations with this guy. He is just such a good soul. And he's, uh, as a self-described aging hippie, uh, and, it, and I guess he is, it's really, but he's such a lovely guy. I've been on a few different times, uh, and and I think it's always a, a pretty cool conversation. So uh, in this episode, you get to listen to the conversation I've had with Louis B. Free. I hope you enjoy it. I am delighted to be here and honored to have a very, very, very special guest back. I really like this guy. Norm, introduce yourself if you would. I love the fact that you put so many varies in front of my name. Every time I come on, you seem to add an extra very. So I'm really keeping tab. I'm, I, I make little marks on my wall. Uh, almost like I'm in prison and I'm passing the time. And I'm like, there's another very. Uh, excellent. I love it. I love that. Uh, uh, yeah, happy to be here. My name is uh, Norm Lavalette. Uh, I, uh, what I do is uh, I work in entertainment and comedy. Uh, predominantly, I'm known f uh, as the co-founder and owner uh, of an improvisational uh, comedy club, theater company called Improv Asylum. That ha we've been in Boston for like 20-something years theater in new york i also own so i'm a comedy performer entrepreneur i own uh, laugh boston uh, i'm a partner in a bunch of other clubs uh so you know i make my life in comedy uh but also in business and entrepreneurism if that's a word i don't even know and uh and uh, i'm the author of a book called the art of making shit up which i love uh, like to say not the great american novel uh but it does the trick uh and that's who i I, I I feel like I want to say in my uh, that more important than the great American novel. I know no, the great American novels are very very important for a lot of people, but you're you're and one of the things about the varies. The more I get to know you, the more I like you. And I've said this a lot uh, on the show about different. Get, there's some I can really like their work. I'll, I'll I'm not going to give an example by saying there's you know a musician that you may really like. You really like it. Then you hear him interview and it's like ah. Uh, or you you read a story about it and it's like but you can still like the music. But boy, when it all comes together, you know when I loved the book, I got pitched the book and read the book, and then to find out what a nice guy you are and how much fun you are and how philosophical you are. It's all a horrible act. It is not. It is not. I have come to, you can say that, but no self-deprecating. Fool, America, and everybody else. <laughs> but you are. So that's why you get the, the more I get to know you, the more varies there are. <laughs> so the, a couple of years from now, it'll be very, 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 very. <laughs> I love going on the show. So I, I love doing the gig with you very, 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 very much. And I... Uh, I love. I always love the, uh, and I, I've read this numerous times. And when I was telling uh, my audience that you were coming back, I, I read the uh, your your dedication again. I just I love this. The book. You don't have the book in front of you. I'm going to read it if you don't mind. This book is dedicated to my incredible wife Kelly and my amazingly talented and beautiful daughters Chloe and Lucy. Thank you for letting a grown man play make believe for all these years. How can you not love that? I mean, that is. I when I read that, I thought I love that. Well, well, you know, and that that's I've had I've had the, the, the good fortune uh, and the privilege and the ability to to be able to to do what what at, at, at some point we all did when we were kids, which which is make pretend. Uh, and I've just had the good fortune to be able to do it a little bit longer than I, I think a lot of people. Uh, and so, you know, I recognize that and I recognize that. It's, it's very unique and it's, you know, not an opportunity everybody has. So, uh, I, you know, it's very heartfelt when I say that. It's uh, I do. I, I make pretend in a lot, a lot of ways. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. And, and yet 
you know, there's a lot of I, me and, and talking, you know, using those pronouns. But the fact of the matter is, is yeah, I have a family and, you know, to have to, you know, that the, the family didn't choose this. They didn't choose this life. They didn't choose comedy. Uh, they, they just came along. So to put up with it uh, or support it is it's pretty important. When you think about the uh, uh, writing the book, and I, I want to jump around a lot, but the yes. writing the book, the the um, tipping point, if you will, where you said, you know what, I've got to, I've got to write this, the art of making shit up. Well, I I would love to say I would love to say that you know, there is a deep philosophical point where I you know what the world the world needs to know uh, what I have to say. I think, uh, but uh, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, I think the tipping point was when when the public called me and said, "Hey, would you write a book?" <laughs> and and I, and and I was like, well, "I don't know." Are, are, I'll do that. Uh, I'll do that. You, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but it, but it was it was one of those things where they're like, we, you know, I'm like, well, are you saying you'd publish a book? I would write, uh, you know, and and so yeah, I appreciate the fact that that Wiley Publishing, you know, yeah, you know, kind of called publisher. me and me out. Um, and, but, but the reality, and I think this is this is. You know, this is, look, I'm a creative, yes. Uh, I'm also, this is my life. This is my profession. This is my business. And I think there's a lot to be learned uh, on both sides of it because oftentimes the creatives uh, either are afraid or don't know or don't want to learn the business side of, of things. And, and you know, for me, Wiley called because I had built up a business and a speaking career uh, and a training career. And I had, I had built up enough of a profile and an audience where they're like, hey, this guy probably has some kind of audience that he can sell books to. Uh, and, and so that's the reality of it. Now, as confident as I am on stage and with improvisation or speaking or talking about what I do and, and you know, the process and thinking creatively, all those same fears and self-doubts uh, come back to you when you start to think of a, a new medium, right? So for me, while I was excited to have them say, hey, would you write a book? You know, immediately for me, I'm like, well, I don't know. Why would I write a book? Who, who, who wants to listen to what I have to say? I don't know how to write a book. I haven't written a book. What would I talk about? You know, all those, all those, literally those same self-doubts that I coach people with, I coach against, that I help people get through, come came right back to me. And so I think for me, you know, take, taking the simple answer out of it, which is Wiley called me, the, the second part was like, all right, well, if I've got this opportunity, I don't know how to do this. I talk a lot about facing your fears and, yeah. and putting yourself out there in an uncomfortable way. Uh, how about I put my money where my mouth is and see if I can write a book? And the result is this wonderful work, the art of making shit up, using the principles of improv to become an unstoppable power. I always say this, you know, did I do a disclaimer? Oh, boy. Uh, uh, the, the Louis B. Free Radio Show, Brain Food from the Heartlands, an adulterated show intended for and only for a mature adult audience's discretion is strongly advised. It makes me think of the old, when I'm doing the old Lenny Bruce, I'm thinking of the old Lenny Bruce bit where, um, I, and now I, I don't want to say the whole word, but he does a bit about a word that he said in a club in California that he got arrested for. And then he did a bit called blah, blah, blah. He said they, when he was in court, it seems like everybody wanted to, to say it. It's yeah. the, the word, it, you know, I, I, I'm not, oh, you know what? I'm going to say it. I'll say it. <laughs> cocksucker. He said cocksucker. He said, yeah, cocksucker. He said, so he said, he said cocksucker. And the judge, he said, you know, the he said, and then he does this bit. I don't know if you, you're familiar with it, but however, Everybody in the courtroom wanted to say the word. Now I feel like I keep wanting to say the art of making shit up. The art of making shit up. I feel like that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's psychology behind that, right? Yeah. Which is a few things. Number one, you know, curse words, whether you use them or not in, in your life or, or on stage or anything like that, if you, if you take the emotion out of them, um, what they are is I was talking about they're, they're, they're symbols, right? Yeah. So, like, so like if you're playing the drums – Right. You're playing the drums and every now and then, bang, you bang that symbol, so, which punctuates yeah. the music. And so, you know, that's that's what they do. You can choose to use the symbols as much or as little as you want. Then there's the other side of it. If you only listen to a song where all they're doing is bang, so, bang, bang, yeah. bang on the symbol, it, it, it can be annoying and it can lose a lot of its power. Uh, and then the other part is as soon as you tell somebody not to say something, you know, or think, think about something, 
that yeah. you want to say or think about. Yeah, right. It's like the it's the old you know don't think of a purple tree. Well, you think of a purple tree or whatever whatever the the you're, I, I I agree with you. It, and it's like and it's funny how some of the words. Um, I now again I'm not going to say it just to say it, but the four letter C word that some of you know that if I use that word, it, it's it's very rare, and it's very. Pointed when I I once was watching a British film, and they use it very casually. It means something totally different. Very yes, and it very ca- and I and I, I because I was like half watching the movie and I heard it and I I jumped and I looked and they said it again. You this you this, and, and Norm, <laughs> forgive me with all my stories, but I had a, uh, a some people that were doing a play locally. And there was a, a young man, like a 12, 11 or 12 year old, and, and he was in the play with and these adults. And I said, well, I was going to say the, the um, C word, but I thought, and the lady's eyes got big. And I, I said, I'm not going to say it. She said, well, I would hope not. You know? and, and the word was crap. And I told her later, we had a big laugh, but I didn't want it. But it was a kid and a lady. And I, I want to be, you know, I'm respectful around people. Uh, when I'm out in the world, if they don't swear, I don't want to sw- use swear words just because. But th- it was interesting because, of course, she thought the other C word <laughs> I meant crap. Yeah, it's not sexual, right? The C word to an 11 year old is something very different to a Let's talk with us a little bit. I, again, your book came out last year. And yeah, I think uh, last yeah, 2019. I want to say yeah. And you were on with me again earlier this year. And I, I, when when I talk about the book and people get the book and read the book, they really really like it. And it's what kind of response? Talk to me about the response of the book for you. Well, you know, I think the response is, has been has been great. And and in some ways, um, you know, some ways I, I don't know if it's surprising or or, or whatnot. But I mean, the, you know, I think the response. That, that I most often get uh, is is the appreciation of yeah we, we talk about improv right but the appreciation that it's really talking about a lot more than that uh, I think the chapter that I think the chapter that most people reference or so many people reference is the chapter that I wrote you know everything I learned uh, in the local coaching uh, girls softball softball yeah and and Sorry. I think like that that's one that resonates because really you know. You know, I didn't feel like writing just a, a, an educational tome on how to do improv. Uh, hell, may, 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 maybe it would have even be better received. I don't know, but I didn't. I only do kind of not only, but mostly do what I want to do. And so, like when, when I when I when people reference that chapter, I get excited because really I'm just talking about absolutely practical life lessons that every one of us goes through an experience and. And I and we just don't always sit down to think about them, you know. Uh, to to you know you you've been part of a theater company, you, you know, uh, or, or your radio show. You you could you could write an entire article, if not book, about you know all the lessons you've learned in, in oh. talking. Yes, right. Oh yes. So yeah. I think for me, the, especially in that that chapter of everything I learned. Forgive me, I don't forgive me. I don't think Wiley's going to call me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Flying by the seat of my effing pants <laughs> would be that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is this thing on? The Louis B. Free experience. Is this thing on? 170 years in the radio business. You know? Thanks a lot. <laughs> No, I, I know I look rough. I didn't know I look that rough today. But again, with those life lessons that you learned. But the the other part about Norm that I love about is that you were you're aware. You're very self aware. You were aware of that. There was a lot of people. I think that if you told them, well, you coached this or you did this, oh, yeah, I guess I did learn some things. I get you know. But do you, do you know what I mean? You're very introspective. Very very introspective. Yeah. I would agree with that. You know, I, I, I am, uh, and, and it's purposeful, right? I mean, I, I, I stop and I take the time to do it uh, and to think about it. And look, we, we all, you know, egos in all of us, we all want to be right as much as we can and think that our decisions or the way we did something is the best way to do it and to handle it. Uh, the, the reality is that's not going to be the case. Uh, and, and so, 
to, to be able to sometimes sit back and go, you know, you know, like even if we talk about that, um, you know, that that chapter uh, on softball. Hey, look, I think I'm a pretty good coach, but that comes from I, I did everything wrong at one point. You know, I mean, it, it was like I, I, I learned I learned these things because I did it one way, then I did it another. And I realized that, oh, well, maybe that when I was first doing it this way, that's not the right way to do it. Uh, and I think it's very hard for people uh, psychologically. I don't, you know, I'm sure there's smarter people than me that can talk about it. But to, to look back and say, yeah, man, mm, I didn't do I didn't do it great then. Uh, uh, and, and, and that's introspection and I'm not afraid to do that. It hurts. It doesn't always feel good to look and go like, damn it. I didn't handle that well, but you know, I'm not going to entrench myself and say, that's the way I handled it. And so that's the way it's going to be. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't seem like it makes sense. So when you, but the response has been, I, I know you've had great response yeah. to it and you talked about the one chapter, but overall, I mean, the response has been tremendous. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's anything, like anything else, like, and you know this from your show, uh, I know this from be it the book or, or the theaters or creating live shows of live entertainment. I, 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 it's always surprising when it emotionally, when, when something you create emotionally connects with somebody else, right? I, I mean, that to me, that to me is a surprise. I'm just not deep enough to say like, I'm trying to write something that's going to move people. I'm like, I don't know. You, you can't really think of it there. I can't think of it that way. Uh, and so I think for okay. me, back these responses of how, you know, much it moved people or, or touched people or really made them think about something or, or in the best case scenario, it made them go do something they've been thinking about doing. And I'm not talking about improv, you know, because that, that at the end of the day is, is one of my biggest beliefs is, hey, we're, we're all here for a short time. And it's, it, you know, but between the, the world being on fire and trying to, you know, eat itself, it, it, uh, yeah. it's shorter and shorter. So when somebody says, yeah, finally made me say I'm going to go do X, that's what excites me the most. What do you think that is about you? What do you mean? That that excites you the most when it, that that it, I, I'm gonna I'll interpret that as it inspires people or motivates people that when they're they read the book and they're either inspired or motivated to to do something, that it, that you said that means the most to you. What well, where, do you, where do you think that comes from? India? Well, I think it comes I, I I think it comes from at least for me and 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 my world perspective is. I don't want to be. I, I I I've never wanted to be a spectator in life. Uh, you know, I'm not. A, I'm not a good spectator. I, I I like to to do things and experience things. And and I've always got. You know, I've gotten the greatest joys, uh, visceral joys that, that are not like emotional or or family related, in actually doing stuff. And and there are so many things to do in this world. And as as we get older we start to limit ourselves more and more and it's okay to limit yourself to the things that you like uh, or really enjoy as comfort but it's when you're when you're lamenting the things you haven't done uh, you know that's, that's good point. yeah and, and I regret and I think where that probably comes from for me is is really looking at my parents lives you know both my parents were were, were super fun and vivacious uh, and, and funny, um, but their life circumstances really didn't allow them to do a, a ton. You know, I, 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 I often reference my mom, you know, my, my mom, uh, you know, wonderful woman, you know, four foot 11, uh, you know, firecracker swore like a trucker. Uh, 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 and, and people, you know, I, I would say, and people are like, oh, you're disparaging truckers. I'm not because my dad was a trucker, so I can talk about it. My dad was a trucker, and he too was a trucker. So, so you know, but she was great. But, 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 in, in as wonderful as a woman as she was, uh, there was there was a I think a, a sadness in that her life circumstances really, really had her not except for the very end of her life experienced too much you know she she got pregnant and had kids at 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 18 she worked in the auto factory uh, a gm plant you know she 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 made a very happy life for myself and my sisters but but there was always that thing like she wanted to be a nurse and she never got to do that she never got to travel she never got to do anything for life circumstances and and i think i you know cognizantly or not i, I was aware of that 
Uh, and, and one of the things I always said was like, well, I, I, I don't know. It, I, I wanted to make sure I do more. More importantly, my mom was not bitter. She also wanted me to do as much as I could. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think a lot of it comes from that. That's interesting. I'm talking with Norm Lavalette. Uh, again, the book, The Art of Making Shit Up, Using the Principles of Improv to Become an Unstoppable Powerhouse. Talk about comedy. Again, your comedy clubs, with everything with COVID-19, again, I think it was like six months. We talked at the very beginning when yeah. I think you were right, wasn't it? Am I correct? Uh, things were just starting or closing down. Uh, and now, how are things where you're at? Well, you know, from 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 a business standpoint, uh, it's all closed. I got nothing. Uh, you know, all of my clubs are closed, uh, and and you know, I'm just speaking this from a factual standpoint. I'm not speaking it from a they should or shouldn't be closed. I get it. You know, I'm, I'm just speaking from from that standpoint. Um, but in in Boston and in New York, that's where in New York, that's where my clubs are. Uh, the the rulings here are that we we're closed, and so. You know, I'm I'm one that's like, look, it's hard, right? I've had to I've had to furlough and lay off all of my employees uh, because I could only keep them around so long uh, with literally zero revenue coming in, uh, and, and so that I, I think the emotional toll of that is very difficult. I'm sure it's harder for them, you know, but but to you know, in some cases, people that I've worked with, you know, for over a decade, to have to say. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, you know, we have to furlough you. I have to let you off, and it, because ultimately, I have to, I have to preserve in some way, shape, or form these companies so that they come back, so that people have a job to come back to if they want, right? Um, and and this this doesn't even count the the artists, the comedians, the performers, and stuff like that. So so for for me, it's been you know incredibly, you know professionally and personally challenging when everything you've done and built up for the last 20 some odd years uh, goes away. And, and so, you know, that's, that's a very real challenge. When you, your, your thoughts, I mean, what, what are they, I, I know locally there are some, I, I, I just found out just the other day that um, one of the local comedy clubs is is planning some November things, you know, socially distant. And, and again, I don't know how, you know, with theaters closing and I know that big chain of movie theaters closed. You know, I know people that tell me when restaurants and we can only have 25 percent. You know, how do you how do you how do you pay your rent? Well, uh, you don't. I, I mean, you can't. And, and, and so and, even. And, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say you, you can't. I mean, I mean, if, if you look at these, you, I, I know that entertainment based things, they make us feel good. Right. So we think like, that's great. You show up, you feel good. And then I go home. What a, what a great business and job. You know, it, it's a business that has mechanics uh, behind it, just like anything else. And you can't as a restaurant, a bar or a theater, they're not predicated on 25 percent of revenue. That's not what your rents are are calculated on. That's not what your bills are. That's not what your salaries are calculated on. They're they're certainly not calculated on twenty five percent of revenue. And so, you know, if you if that's what it is, it's going to you can't survive long on that. Um, you, you know, and and look, I'm not even looking at because I'm there's no bad guy. Here. I get it because you know the landlords are like, well, they've got their bills that they Ex- yeah Ex- so Ex- yeah. I, you know, a lot of people paint it as like, oh, the awful, evil landlords. Hey, some of them are. Yeah. Not but some, all of them are. Forgive me, forgive me for interrupting you again, Norm, but I had a, a guest on. Uh, this was maybe, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago, and he was saying that at that point, 80% of the restaurants in New York weren't able to pay um, their mortgage, their rent, their, their rent. And, you know, people say, oh, they should let them, people should, well, if, you know, if, if, if I own the building and I've got other people, you know, maybe I've got bills to pay. I've got, I've got to pay on the mortgage. I've got insurance payments to make. I've got to keep lights on at home. I've got to eat. You know, it's easy to say everybody should just let it go. But eventually there are other, there are people, like you say, there's good and bad landlords. I mean, there are those that might be able to, and there's those that are, are, are hurting as much as everybody else. Sure. And, and it's also about how long does this go? You know, a landlord, a landlord might be yeah. close to six months. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think and, and again, I'm just just speak, speaking factually, you, you know, when, when this started happening in, in March and April, the basic message to most businesses, at least up here, was, hey, hold on to the fall. 
Yeah. Right. I, mean, yeah. I think that that was kind of the the, the message is like, like everywhere. Oh, yeah. All things start to open up again. Well, you know, here we uh, are. We, a lot of us held on to the fall, and and now it's you know the message is kind of like, yeah, we we got nothing for you. We can't tell you when. And I'm not blaming anybody. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. How the hell does a mayor know? You know, but. But that's going to start, you know, that's already putting things in, in very difficult situations. So my job as the business owner, as a CEO, is, you know, this is where I got to, you know, play CEO. And I have to negotiate with my landlords and try to work things out. And, you know, basically the idea with the landlords is, well, help us out now because you got a guaranteed tenant on the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. You know? and so, look, as it, long it, as they can. Right. As long as they can. As long as they can. And, and look, it's hard. It's tricky. Uh, it, it's it's emotionally taxing, you know. There's no doubt about it. You know the, the the stress that that comes with it. So you know, for me, you know, for me, I've really, especially in the last couple months, put a ton of a uh, uh, a ton of investment and, and focus on just my own mental and physical well being because now more than ever, if I don't do that, it's going to be a you know, it has the potential to be you know, a catastrophic problem. Wow. Uh, and, and again, where you're at, you're not hearing anything as far as any, any the, no ability to open up or do. No, it, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. It, you know, we don't get a lot of information, uh, uh, you know, and, and it was we we just don't. And then I think it was last week, last week I was as a matter of fact, I was up in New Hampshire. I was up in New Hampshire um, touring Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, uh, to look at a comedy club, possibly a comedy club there, because in New Hampshire you can do stuff. So you know, at some point, oh, okay, point, you got to fish where the fish are, I suppose. Uh, but but we we got a message. All of a sudden, they made an announcement. The governor here in Massachusetts, Governor Baker, made an announcement that we could finally go into what's called step two of phase three, where small theaters and clubs and stuff like that could open at like fifty percent capacity. Yeah. Sort of like. Also, and we had no idea it was coming. I mean, honestly, Louis, I, I was wow. like, yeah, I don't, I don't see this happening until, you know, into the second or third quarter of, of 2021. So we're scrambling, we're doing sure. meetings. But on Thursday, the very next day, the mayor of Boston, where my clubs are, oh, is no. like, yeah, we're not going there. We're not doing uh, that. Huh. So, you know, uh, we, we very much got a, uh, you know, Charlie Brown, Lucy on the football, as it were. Um, and, uh, and look, you know, I, that's fine. It's okay. Uh, you know, be, because there are some people, there are some people saying like nothing should be open until a vaccine comes. And then there's other people that are like, uh, open everything. And yeah. let the let it, yeah. I, I don't know, man. So, so all, all I do, I find it easiest for myself. I'm not going to argue with anybody. I'm just going to do what I can do. So if, 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 if the government says that I can open at 50% capacity, I will. If they say I got to stay closed, I will. If they say I can be yeah. open at 100% capacity, I will. You're going to have detractors on every side of it. So I'm just going to listen to those people. Yeah, and, and people politicizing things, and which I think is un unfortunate. I, don't, I can't imagine anyone out there wants any harm. Well, I, I know some people want harm done. I, I shouldn't go there. But you know, most people want us to, things to be okay. And I want to believe that most people in government do want things to be yeah, at, at least okay. You know, no one wants this this situation. No, no one wants this. And when people politicize things, again, like the masks, and I've talked a lot about it. People want to make it a political thing. Look, wear the mask. Whatever. It, it's it's not. Don't politicize everything. Where people that might think I should probably wear a mask, but then that indicates that I'm with this person or I'm that way. I mean, come on. I, you know, and and that's you know that that's the that's the self conscious overthinking of everything yes. about putting putting the outside what other people think of me. It, it, it's in in a lot of ways. And look, you can use on any side of the argument, right? But in a lot of ways, like I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what you think of me. I don't yeah. care if you yeah. think that me wearing a mask means I you don't know what I support. You have no idea what I believe. Uh, well, you know, it's it, you I know, agree. We were joking around about this uh, uh, last night in like a writer's room we were having. And, you know, if if all of a sudden everybody starts telling me that owning an, F, F, an F-150 Ford uh, is, you know, oh, that's the that's the truck of white supremacists. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Where did that come? Where did that be? I don't know. 
I've had this truck for a long time. I don't, I'm not, I'm not signaling anything here, and not, and not everything is, yeah. is one way or the other. And if you want to take it as that, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just going to live my life. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I always say this in, uh, in the my early or, or hippie days. Uh, you know, if, if you were barefoot somewhere when we were in Atlanta, you know, if it said no shoes, no enter, it meant if you didn't have shoes on, you didn't go in. That's all. It wasn't a political thing. You didn't rage outside. You didn't say, I've got my right. You went somewhere else that was more accommodating to people without shoes. That's all. Yeah, they got like a nice shag rug and it feels good on your toes. There you go. <laughs> if you didn't want to go to the old bar with all the peanuts and sawdust on the floor and your bare feet, that would be uncomfortable. Yes. Right? Yes, know. and they were. <laughs> So, you know, and I think that's a lot of how I wear Like, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, hey, I don't know. You guys you want me to wear a mask to go into the store? Sure. Okay, I'll put the mask on. I'll go, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm with I'm with you. Uh, Norm is my guest, Art Improv, um, Unsolvable Power, The Art of Making Shit Up. You're listening to Louis B. Free Radio Show, Brain Food from the Heartland. The value of comedy. You knew I were chatting a little bit of this off air, and, and I, you know, to be in, and, and yeah, it's great to watch on YouTube or Zoom or uh, it, comedy. There's something about the experience of being in a club that, oh, it, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't compare. It, 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 it doesn't compare. And, I, and I think, you know, look, as artists, as comedians, as artists of all types right now, we got limited options and everybody's doing the best they can uh, with with, you know, Zoom and, and Skype and all these other things and virtual. And, and on, on, on one level, there's a lot of innovation that's coming from that, which is always going to be the case when you have, you know, a, a massive disruption like we have. With that said, in my opinion, it all blows uh, compared to the live experience. Right. And, and because we're human beings and, and, and we, we need and crave, uh, uh, communal gatherings. We need uh, interaction. And that's, that's not going to change just because there's a pandemic going on. And, and I know while this is singular to us, there's no doubt about it in, in, in our last century, this has happened a thousand times over. Uh, I, you know, I mean, you just go down through history. There's always been breakouts and pandemics. We always bounce back from them. We will bounce back from them uh, from this and people will come back together. Now, individuals may decide that they're going to be far more cautious and they won't. But collectively, we're all going to come back together in clubs and theaters uh, and gatherings when I don't know, but, but we will. Uh, with, with again with comedy the ability to to laugh you know and i i think many people when they laugh at them i know for me the biggest laughs that i have is when i laugh at myself when i do something and it's like and i just you know lose it because it's like i can't can't believe i did that or said that or or you know just but to be able to kind of get out of yourself again that the the beauty the magic what whatever of the that comedian to be able to, to laugh because we were talking again you and I were talking a little bit off air prior to and everybody's got something going on you, you don't know what's going on in somebody else's life you don't know and again I I've said this many times about the the road rage incidents really freaked me you don't know you know if somebody didn't put their signal on you know didn't cause an accident you know mellow out a little bit don't get you, you, again I'm not talking about people that are driving. Sure. Intentionally badly or whatever, whatever that might mean, but just we we need to we need to be a little kinder to each other and understand that when when, when you go to when you see comedy, you're able to get out of yourself and and whatever it is, maybe some maybe a pet a four legged family member died, somebody got a, had a diagnosis, you've got bill you don't know next week I've got some bills due I don't know how I'm gonna get them paid, but you're there at the comedy club and and for that hour two hours whatever. That the weights lifted off your your shoulders. It's it's incredible. It's a it's a huge stress relief. Right? When somebody's making you laugh, you're not you can't be thinking about anything else other than the fact that you're laugh, yeah. laughing. It's, it's it's an involuntary or involuntary, involuntary. I don't know, in involuntary <laughs> emotional response. Right, that's what comedy yeah. is. Uh, and, and and so you can't be anywhere else. You know what? For, in doing comedy and, and be both as a performer, a producer, director, owner of these clubs for as long as they have, you know, there's been a lot of, of interesting uh, and touching stories. And one that that I, I remember in, incredibly well was we got a note. This is a few years back. We uh, our our theater. Uh, 
Boston. It's, uh, and the north end of Boston is the little Italy of Boston. And we got a note uh, a few years back uh, where uh, or so, or a family wrote us a letter and they said, you know, look, we just want to write you, we want to write you a letter. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. But but the gist of the letter was for the last few years, our, our mother has uh, has been going through, uh, through uh, fighting cancer and uh, and has had like, uh, you know, monthly trip something like monthly trips down to Boston, I think it was from New Hampshire, maybe, um, to one of the hospitals to receive the treatments. And it's been very hard and it's been, you know, it's always a, a very emotional ride down. Uh, but we made it a tr- tradition that we would always go to Improv Asylum. And, and the ride wow. back was nothing but joy and laughter and, and wow. counting what we saw in the show. And, you know, so it was this really lovely letter of thanking us to say, you, you know, helping us get through something that on the wow. way down was all dread and uh, on the way back because of our comedy was all joy. And, and you know, that was, uh, I think, one of the most memorable, most poignant wow. things in my career. I think that's beautiful. And uh, the other thing I, I want to say is it's wonderful that people take the time to, to write that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that obviously touches you. That obviously touched me. Uh, that that people should take time, take time to tell people, you know, the fact that they took time to tell the letter and send you a letter of gratitude, I think is, I, it's beautiful what you did and, and, and that, but that's beautiful that they took the time and wanted to express it to you. You don't know these things. You don't, you don't. It, it makes a huge difference. And I know it seems trite and I know that I need to do it more, but it makes yeah, we a all do. You know, uh, and it does, especially when you're in a public realm, you know, when you run a place like mine, where most of the letters that you get are drunk and rant, you know, <laughs> demanding, demanding better seats. Uh, you know, the ha- why are the haters so loud? You know, I, that that is that is the, is that that's I think relative. I used to get when early in my radio days, I had I would get bad letters. I would get some nasty things. Not like today. Today is just like immediate. You get an email that's like, you know, I, I just like vicious, nasty stuff. It, it, it's, it's crazy. It, 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 it's crazy. And, 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 you know, between that and social media and stuff like that, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's emboldened people to really do and act and say things that they probably don't even fully mean to say. Uh, oh, but, I, I'm not so sure. You're a little more forgiving than I. <laughs> trust me, I run a live event where people are drunk. And, oh, okay. Uh, you want to see the worst in humanity. I bring live <laughs> events and drunkenness and, and you know, somebody's 50th birthday party uh, from the suburbs. Oh, my God. It's the worst. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those drunk 50-year-olds from the uh, suburbs. <laughs> well, you know, I always say it. You know, people say, well, what's the worst audience? You know, is it young people or whatever? I'm like, no, it's not young people. Young people are fantastic because they still know how to manage getting drunk and being high. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they can still do it. It's, it's, it's when you have that, you know, that that 45, 50 year old person, you know, oftentimes and I, and I hate to say this and, you know, then, then you're going to get a bunch of emails, but I'm just telling you. It's OK. Go for it. Is, is that 45 to 50 year old uh, woman that's having her birthday party. And, and it's, usually, it's usually more in like the 42 to 45 area. Right. And, and the why that the problem is her and all of her, her, her girlfriends are coming out. They don't live in the city anymore. So it's their one night. It's this is my night. It's my night. Uh, it's not your night. I have about a thousand people coming through the club. You're just one person. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but anyways, they get caught up in the moment. You know, they have some drinks. Maybe start feeling it like they did when they used to, but they definitely can't handle it like they used to. Oh, and it becomes a nightmare. It's a nightmare. This is my birthday. Okay. Oh, that's kind of, I never really thought about it like that. It's kind of My birthday, I'm 43. 43. Yeah. <laughs> that's a special one. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Give me the 26-year-old that still knows how to, you know, smoke some weed and, and, and drink some cocktails any day. Yeah. <laughs> it's, isn't it funny? You, you'd think when you mature, you'd think, I, I know now that, for me, and again, I, 
I did certainly my share of drugs and too many other people's. I don't believe it. Too many other people's share of drugs. People will tease me and say, so when smoking dope was a felony, you smoked a lot of it. Now that it's like a minor misdemeanor, you don't. It's like, okay, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> what, what, what does that say about you? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's same thing, right? It's like, it's like you know, when, when and, but, it, but it's an argument for legalization, right? Which is oftentimes you do things because, especially when you're younger, uh, because there's an illicit nature to it. And then when it's, you know, then when you get old, but I think also when you get old like us too, there's a, like, I don't know. Thank you for saying us, old like us. I I'm should be so young, young as you. I'm very generous, Louie. You are uh, very generous, Norm. Go- but we've done it. We've done it all. We've done a lot of it. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, but now, now, and again, even drink, you know, if I, if I drink, I'll drink a beer out. Well, back when you could drink a beer out, it would, oh, you can some places here outside. Um, I, I drink one. If I drink two, I'm, I'm not driving. I know better. Uh, two, two beers. I, and now home, and my neighbors know, oh, Louis will drink two beers, and then he likes to go for a barefoot walk around the neighborhood at 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, when we first moved in, we used to call the police. We didn't know what that was out there. But, okay, you know, but I'm walking, and I'm off the side of the road or whatever, and I'm not falling down. <laughs> so I'm managing. I'm managing. But some people, you're right, they, they get older, and they don't manage, they don't manage their um, – they don't manage it well. <laughs> the, the, the best thing, right, is, is, is we'll get, you know, we, we're, we're all wired up. We got cameras all around. We capture everything, you know, for yeah. our own purposes and stuff like that. You have to. And, and the, you have to. And the best thing, right, is like, is like you know, first they're like, I, we're going to call. I'm going to call the owner. And, and <laughs> it, it's there a lot of times I'm like, great. We can't wait to hear from you. <laughs> And he's going to be real happy to hear from me. Like, wait till I tell him about you and how you were rude. And like, uh, here's your number, my friend. Uh, people. Uh, and, and, then, and then because it's all wired up, the very, very, like, if you get 100 people that say they're going to call the owner and follow up, I'd say it's 1% to 2% that do. That's uh, it, yeah. That's truly how low it is because, you know, Saturday night, it looks very different in the harsh light of Monday morning, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, but when they do, it's always nice to say, uh huh, uh huh. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, we have you and we have everything on camera, and we would love for you to come into our office and we can review the footage together. You know, it would be great to just do a, um, a, a video, a tape all of them together, all the, the weird. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> right. Do a, like a 24-hour <laughs> stream of people acting up at the comedy club. I really should do it. I really should do it. And in all my time, in all my time, only one, one person, one group uh, t- took us up on it. They, they were convinced that something had happened and, that, really? and they were coming in on behalf of, uh, of their friend. And we're like, look, I know you're saying this, but we've got this on video it's just it's not it's not matching up to what you're saying we're really trying to tell you and they're like well well we want to see the video like come on i'm all in and they came in and they watched the video and they went like oh okay all right thank you did they apologize no apologies no not really not really but but they but they definitely looked at it and they just totally like okay now we understand thank you 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 would think you would hope people would be so flipping embarrassed after they would see that and would say you know what i really don't didn't remember it like that and now that i see that i'm, I'm you know, can, can can you please erase that or something i'm so and, and then my answer to them is no, no i can't no. Erase it because i'm in co-production with louis b free about uh, all of these uh, videos that won't be co-production that's right <laughs> And you can play, uh, what is it, Kenny Longer, Please Come to Boston, or Shipping Up to Boston, or one oh, of the no. great Boston songs, The Art of Making Shit Up. You, are you cool for another few minutes? Oh, absolutely. Great. So with the, with the oh, okay, oh, I'm way past, uh, the Louis B. Free Radio Show, Brain Food from the Heartlands Copyright B. Free Radio Limited, 2020, produced by the lovely Ms. Buddy Face in cooperation with White Rabbit Productions. Already did an adult disclaimer. Again, The Art of Making Shit Up.com. Talk a little bit about the website and your podcast and your podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so you know, the art of making shit up. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's obviously my book. Uh, you know, the, I, I do a lot of things. So my podcast is called Beyond the Norm. I love that. 
Uh, I love any when you have a name like Norm, all you do is use it in puns and titles. That, that's all you do. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, that's that's great. It's great. Yeah, come on, when you when you got a when you got a dying name like Norm or Norman, that's you got to make it work. So uh, so beyond you know beyond the norm uh, is my podcast, and a lot of what we talk about there, you know, it's not unlike you know your show and, and how we how we have free flowing discussions here. But but for me, <laughs> you know, free flowing. <laughs> Free flowing, you know. I don't like to say not focused. I like to say free flowing. <laughs> you saying no agenda? I say uh, anything is possible. So, Thanks, uh, Norm. You're very generous. Uh, Go ahead. But, beyond the norm. Uh, but beyond the norm is the podcast, and and a lot of what I, I talk about or how I approach that that show is is from an artist standpoint. What I found, and what almost everybody wants to talk to me on the artist side of things. It isn't, isn't so much about the creative process. The, the question that I see from most artists, and, and when I say artists, I, I can I can draw that out to people who want to do other things. Uh, you know, they want to do something other than what they're currently doing. And, and what, one of the things that I always find is they, they want to know the hows, not uh, the hows on the business side of things. See, yeah. That's how I get all my questions. It's not how do I do improv and be funny. It's how do I do this for a living or how, how can I pursue it? And so so a lot of what, what my focus is on Beyond the Norm is talking about almost the business of comedy, the business of entertainment, and also the business of being an entrepreneur, how you take something from nothing, because ultimately that's what it is. Any idea that you have, be it your radio show, be it you know this new thing that you want to invent, it starts from an idea in your head, and and the hardest part is going from that idea in your head to making it actually happen is fighting through all the doubts, mostly your own, but a lot of other people. And so so we we talk a lot about kind of that process on that show. And I I think that's that that's wonderful that that you do that. And again, we've got those links up again beyond the norm. Or you can just go, they can go to your website and link to the podcast part of the art of making shit up. See, I just want to say it again and again the art of making shit up dot com. The art of making shit up dot com. I'm going to have to play the, the Lenny Bruce routine later. <laughs> I, want to keep, I want to keep saying. I, I've said it before, I, I probably even on, 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 on this show, but, but because it's one of my favorite moments in comedy, and this, you know, this is going way back. But uh, but Lenny Bruce was on stage. Uh, Lenny Bruce was on stage when when he got word that uh, that President uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated, mm. right? Uh, and uh, and so you know, with, with Lenny Bruce being known at the time as as a sick comic, right? As sick meaning outrageous, uh, he was the most legendary. Yeah. Like the, the, a hush went over the crowd, and everyone's like, "Oh man, he's gonna say something horrible and yeah. crazy and outlandish." And he and being the you know an amazing comedian that he is. He looked around the room, you know, he went silent and, he, and then he looked out and said, huh, hey, poor Von Meter. And what that means is Von Meter was a performer at the time that only did Kennedy impersonations. And that person, Von Meter, was a star yeah. of, of just like releasing album after album about being Kennedy, Kennedy. and first family. And, and it was such such a left left turn for Lenny Bruce where everyone's like he's going to say something terrible but he said the Von Meter line and it was such to me a great example of you're referencing the moment and you're still surprising everybody yeah. uh, and that's a classic line yeah I, I was a big Lenny Bruce fan I um, I, I had somebody recently uh, that I, I know well tell me that there was a there's a, a show God, and I can't the Fabulous Mrs. Oh, the Mas- Fabulous Miss Maisel. Has, have you seen it? Uh, I have not. It's on. It's in my queue, as a matter of fact. I, I, I have not, but I've heard a lot of people. I, about I have it. to tell you, because she said, you'll love it because it's that era that you love, and there's a guy that does Lenny Bruce. And, and right away, you know, my, my instinct was, oh, no, nobody can do Lenny Bruce. You know, it, I, I don't want to see it because I'm going to be disappointed. You know, I just did. I had a negative reaction to it, like, immediately. Because, and the... the because the person was telling me you you will love it the, the guy that plays Lenny Bruce and I uh, she asked me to sit and watch an episode with her and I, I did and I was surprised at um, again I'm no I'm no Lenny Bruce expert but right. I was a kid listening to Lenny Bruce albums I mean I you know I I, I read the you know just loved uh, still listen to Lenny Bruce stuff. And when I saw it, I, I was pretty impressed with the actor. So you have to, I'd, I'd be curious as to your impression if you if you see it. 
You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, so I, I would, I, it's in my queue to watch. And and similar to you, but may, maybe a little bit different. Oddly enough, I don't watch a ton of comedy, uh, and and I think there's a lot of reason for it. But for me, sometimes it feels uh, like work. And, yeah, and, I get. You know what I mean, uh, and so and and I'm kind of the same way too. Everyone's like, "You're gonna love this. You're gonna love this." I'm like, "Okay, stop telling me I'm gonna love it." That's uh, what, yeah. You know, I like to watch Vikings killing each other. Uh, <laughs> well, I was, I was, I, I, I get, I was, I had a negative an initial. Oh, I don't want to see that. I don't and I was surprised at how I like. I say, if you see an episode of it, and it's, it's not. I don't know what would I show. The, the show is not a comedy per se. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so check it out. You, if you do, I, again, I would just be interested in what your reaction is to the guy that does Lenny Bruce. Now I want to see another episode. Now, now that I'm saying it, I'd like to see. The- oh, and it becomes important too, right? Because to push through and then your mind saying like, "All right, stop being so entrenched." In yeah. Your yes. Don't get caught up in. Yeah. You tell you always, you, Louis. You're always telling people to open your mind. You know, open your mind. <laughs> I feel like wait, I'm telling you to do it, not me. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. I want you to do it. And when you say that about Washington, I, I get that. Not that it's an echo of, you know, you don't want to watch what you do. Right, all the time you you right. you want to you know to to me that watching that is kind of an escape. People say, well, you know, and I'll talk about sometimes I've got sleep sleep issues, and uh, and well, what do you, what do you do you put the TV? I can't read because reading wakes me up. If I, if I'm trying to fall back to sleep, it doesn't that doesn't work for me. It hypes me up. So I, I say, well, sometimes I'll, I'll find I, why they're watching why they have SpongeBob on at four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Well, why would you watch that? You don't have grandkids. I said, what's it's an escape from reality that I don't have to get in trouble for. I mean, it's a sponge that lives under the sea, you know, in a pineapple. I mean, come on, talk about trippy. That's very trippy to me. Oh, it's as trippy as you can get, and and, and the characterizations of Patrick. Yeah. See you know, yay! Squid, Squidward is such an archetype or put on character, it, right? It, it really is, and and what I love about SpongeBob is it's a it's it's an adult show masquerading as a kids as a kids show. show. I agree. So, uh, you know, Mr. Krabs, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's so, so fantastic. It's a fantastic show. It's very, it's, I think it's at least one of them, but, but it's very reminiscent uh, of, uh, of Ren, Ren and Stimpy. And I think there are, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. Writers of it. And you can see that. And I, I love, oh man, Patrick, Squidward. right. Squidward, Squidward. Right. I, I have to ask you, since you mentioned, have you seen the cartoon pickle and peanut? I have not. You've got to find seriously. Right. It's a pickle and a peanut. <laughs> Those are the characters. <laughs> Again, uh, you've got to find Yes, Louis did do some drugs back in the day. <laughs> Louis, uh, looking. To, I'm trying to score. I want to try. I want to uh, microdose acid or shrooms. And everybody, you know, what's the old? Everybody I, I used to deal with is dead or in prison. You know, and, and so I'm not opposed to it. I don't want to trip. Oh, never mind. I should have gone off on that. Yes, I did drugs into that. But you want just that. You want just want the micro dose. I want to see if it if it what it does to my brain. Yeah, just that little 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 buzz. I'm with you, man. I get it. What the hell? Yeah. So if anybody out there can help me score, um, okay, I shouldn't have gone there. This show show is nothing more than uh, (laughs) us trying to simply buy drugs because we're too afraid to do it in the normal channels. So now we can make it look I'm like I'm too old to do it in the normal. I go up to I go up to I see young kids I think oh they maybe they would know. Hey, can and you go and they they you know they just they back away. They <laughs> Like what happens in the good old days? Called the dark web. That's all I'm going to say. You can get everything you need anonymously on the dark web. I have enough trouble with the bright web. <laughs> you, are, you, you are just you are you're you're wonderful. Your family, you're doing well. You're 
doing yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and, and they are. And, and I think that at any time that any time that, you know, I look at me and I say, woe is me and all the frustrations and, yeah. and the hardship of you know closing these businesses down and stuff like that, which are real. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. that. Yeah. you know, I can step back and say, I got an amazing family. They're thriving. They're doing well. My daughters are doing great. great. Uh, you know, so I am in, I'm in a much better position than so many other people. Uh, and it, it allows me to work on some other creative things. I'm doing that. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, it's, uh, it's day to day and you just what else are you going to do you keep on rocking and- what else are you going to do yeah yeah what, what else are you going to do you get up in the morning and you you know you you, right. you push forward that's right. all you can do and, and I, can't I, live stagnate. By, I live by a rule right i live by i live by a kind of a rule which is the 24-hour rule uh which is i will i will you know when when i'm feeling down or bad or whatever i'll let myself feel badly and do the woe is me for for 24 hours and then after that, I, I get up, I call myself uh, an unflattering word, and I say, get to work. Can you, will you, is that, is it, is there one particular word unflattering? I, I get up in the morning and, and look, you can beep it off if you don't want to. I get up in the, after that 24 hours, I say, stop being a pussy and get up and get back, get back, get back to work. And, and for me, it works well. It, it's not about never allowing yourself to feel bad. It's, it's not about never allowing yourself to say, holy crap, how do I get through all this? That that's important. You need to do it. But for yeah. me, the next part is, you know, uh, I need to, I need, I need a little tough love on myself and, uh, yeah. I get going. That's beautiful. Uh, by the way, so that's the word with everything that has been said this morning. Pussy's the one that you think I might need to bleep out? I said the Lenny Bruce word. I'm not going to say it again. It's good too. Too good too. But that I, and everybody needs to. I I I shouldn't say everybody needs. Many people, I think, need. You need to. It's okay to to have a good cry to to feel bad. But then you gotta you pick yourself up. You know, I've talked about, and I hope you don't mind. I, I don't want this to sound self-serving, but I, I've talked about this a lot. You know, uh, people used to say when when I was young, you know, um, it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer. And I remember thinking, well, then who's listening? So, and I I see it the other way. If you're going to talk to yourself, you need to answer. And I was talking to myself once, and this was I was in my 30s. This is you know probably 30 years ago now, 30 some years ago. And I was getting, I was, I ran six days a week. I was getting my running clothes on. This will tell you how old it was. I was getting, making sure I had batteries in my Walkman and had the right cassette to put in, right? Okay, so, and I'm talking to myself. And we had the big water bed and the, with the wood and the big mirror with the wood around. And I said something, Norm, and I caught my eyes. I, I saw myself when I said it. And I said in the mirror, I said, you can tell that to somebody else, but you can't tell that to me because I know better. And for the next, I don't know, maybe it was an hour, maybe it was two or three hours, I tore myself apart. I was a puddle on the floor. I was sobbing. I was crying. I was looking at my, and, and what some people said, I said, I had to put myself back together. My wife was coming home. I had to pick my son. You know, I mean, you put yourself back together, but you need, every once in a while, you need that whatever a good cry or that but but it's 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 what did they say it's not how many times you fall down it's how many times you get up and you you allow yourself a little bit of that i'll call it in myself maybe self-loathing or regrets or whatever and then you pull yourself together and that's what's so beautiful about you and how you are with your family and how you are with your with your life well, you know, it is important, and and everybody has things that that are so, especially now, going through so much, and and it's like, and you can, and and sometimes, sometimes you don't even know it. Sometimes you just need to hear hear a story like that from you that you don't know that somewhere that's inspired somebody today to say, all right, I am going to pull my shit together. And, and, and if you did it, if, if that's inspired it, you may never know about it. Um, but that's yeah. why you doing what you're doing, man. Well, well, I don't, I don't know that I pulled my shit together. I, I put myself back together 30 years ago <laughs> sorry i get self-deprecating yeah, your shit is still being flown all around the room uh, <laughs> you're you are you are you're wonderful i am so glad that that we connect i'm so, i'm glad i love the book i love the book the art of making shit up using the principles of improv to become an unstoppable powerhouse and i've heard i've heard just little me my little sh- i've heard from so many people that have read the book and loved the book and I, i'm going to say Again, you know somebody that needs this book in addition to you. I also think it'd be a great 
book for as people are starting to, I understand, think about Christmas gifts and things like that. I think it would be a great, it'd be a, it's a wonderful gift because you're going to help somebody. I mean, it's inspiration. Your, your book is wonderful. Well, that, that's it's, very it's, nice of you to say, uh, you know, uh, and also it's also real. It's- out, out in audio it's uh, an audiobook that you can get that on on amazon.com so uh you know if if reading is gonna be you know do something crazy like for you and wake you up i've never heard of that in my life that's is, i know my wife says the same thing she i pace when i read sometimes i have to get up and she can't she cannot stand to watch me pace and read she said it just looks so uncomfortable she says and it's not just that you bump into things and bang into things it's not just that <laughs> wild i've never heard that so that's really great punch uh, me up if you want to listen to it because i i love my audiobooks and i listen to stuff all the time so it's out and you can you can hear the dulcet tones of my voice reading the book <laughs> oh you young hipsters with your audiobooks <laughs> again the website uh the website uh so you can go to the art of making shit up.com or you can go to uh normlavalette.com as well I appreciate you, and I appreciate you. I I love the relationship with you. I love the fact that you do the gig with me. But I'm grateful for you and our world. You you are a real star. You are a real shining light. You are Norm. I mean that. I mean it. you know I'm I'm sincere. I mean I'm not. This is not preface to a joke or something. I mean that from my heart. You're a great guy. Well, I, I greatly appreciate it, uh, Louis. I love coming on this show anytime Thanks. you'll have me, uh, and and I mean the same thing. You know, you're you're doing important stuff, Thanks, man. Uh, uh, you know, you're you're very you're very real, you're very raw, and you're very emotional, and that's fantastic. Thanks. That's everything the world needs. That's everything that we want. So uh, thank you for doing what you do uh, for all your listeners out there. And thanks for making some time for me. Let's do it again. Thanks, man. 